Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. So today, as we close out our series, what I want to do is I want to just go through practical things that we can do right now. Three easy steps for you to either get started in prayer, if you've never really been a person who prays, if you've always thought about it, didn't know how it works exactly. So if you want to get restarted in it, maybe what you're looking for is to get a restart. Maybe you grew up as a person who prayed. And maybe as a child, prayer made sense, but as you grew up and life caught up with you, and you started to see that there was a discrepancy between what you were told as a child and the things that you were seeing as an adult, and you just stopped. So I'm hoping that maybe this for you is an opportunity for you to refresh or to restart your prayer life. And then there's some of us who have been praying a long time, maybe most of our lives, maybe from a child we never stopped all the way through. And there are moments and there are times when it feels like we're praying and no one's listening. I don't even know if God is there and I really feel stupid because I'm just talking into the air. And so maybe we need an opportunity to refresh our prayer life. And ultimately what it is, 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 is prayer distinguishes, or the way that we pray distinguishes us in how we see God. Because for some people, they just want to use God. God is a vehicle towards getting me what I want. Other people understand that what they really want is God. Because when God is in your life, things seem to just fall into place. Things seem to be able to move in a place where, where everything makes sense. Even if times get tough, even if problems arise, it still seems to make sense. The difference is this, is that the user, the person who uses God, their attitude is, just tell me what I need to do. Tell me what the minimum it is that I need to do in order for you to answer my prayers. Give me a list of things, and I will do them all as long as you agree to answer my prayers. That's what we want, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't it make it simpler if you knew ahead of time what it was that God wanted you to do before you, before you prayed so that you knew that you would get it? I want to have this. Whatever it is. I want a new job. And then you get a list in the mail or in the email or it's texted to you. Here are the 17 things that you have to do for God. And if you do them, then you get it. But see, then it's not about a relationship with God anymore. It's just I'm going to do and he's going to do. And it's essentially a business transaction. And for us... If we don't ever get to a place where we believe that God accepts us as his child, then we'll never get to a place where we truly trust God to where we can pray and know that he's there. And it's hard to do that. See, I know that you don't believe it. And the reason I know that you don't believe it is because I don't believe it. I have trouble conceiving in my mind that God who created the universe, God who can just speak and things pop into existence, that that God looks at me and says, you are perfect. 
you are wonderful. You are my child. It's a hard thing. And if we ever got to that place, if we ever got to that place where we believed, man, we would never worry about anything again. We would never get angry. We would never feel sorry for ourselves. It is a place where you feel total and complete acceptance. And how we see that, how we see if we're getting closer to that, is through prayer. So today what I want to do is I want to talk to you and we want to go through the three R's of prayer. Three R's. Now this is easy. I made it simple as I could so that it would be easy for us to remember. It's three R's. The three R's of prayer. And the first R is this. In order for us to restart or start or refresh our prayer life, if we don't know where to begin, if praying right now just seems like something that I just can't do, I don't know how to do, nothing makes sense, the first thing that we have to do is reading. Reading. Reading God's Word. Now, that might seem like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You're just trying to get me to read this thing. Right? That, that it's a trick. But I want you to look at it from a different perspective, okay? Because I understand your skepticism that reading is the place to start. In fact, I have trouble with reading is the place to start because if I'm reading, I can't tell God that I need to have my rent paid next week because I'm reading. But let me tell you why reading is the place to start. There is a, a man, and his name was Paul, and Paul was an apostle, and apostle just means someone that was sent, and Paul was a person who started out as, as a person who hated Christians, had an encounter with Jesus, and then became one of the strongest and probably most famous Christians in his time. Paul, who went all throughout the known world to plant churches all throughout, he writes this to the Galatians. It's in Galatians 4, 5, and this is what Paul writes. He says, God sent him, and the him he's talking about is Jesus. He says, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves. Past tense. Us is us. We're slaves. We're not slaves anymore. Freedom for us who were slaves to the law. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. So Paul is putting into one concise sentence this whole idea that God has adopted us. And remember, we talked about this, the fact that adoption is not something that is done by the child. Adoption is an act of the father. And so God has adopted us as his very own children. And then he says this. He says, and because we are his children... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now, if you are a person who grew up in church, maybe you're a person who, who has been in church for a long time, you, you've seen this verse before. There's songs about it. We've heard about it. It's Abba, Father. And maybe what you've heard is one of those things that I was taught when I was growing up, and I always thought was a pretty cool thing, was that in the original Aramaic that, that Jesus was talking, or that Paul was talking in, there's no translation into the Greek for the word Abba. And so because 
There was no translation for it. In most modern translations of Scripture, they don't just put Father because Father doesn't quite capture it. So they put Abba and Father. See, he's not saying that, that it prompted us to call out Father, Father. They left in the Abba so that we could understand, listen, there's not anything that quite captures Abba. Because Abba is Father, but you and I know that Father has a very specific connotation, right? Father is more of a biological thing. You, you don't say if, you know, let, let's say that, for example, you love your dad. Because sometimes we don't. But let's say, for example, you love your dad, right? You don't say, Father, I mean, unless you live in the 1800s. You don't go up to him and you say, oh, Father, I love you. You don't say that. Right? If we have affection towards our father in the culture that we live in today, we say dad, pop, pa, tatai. That's a nod to someone in the back there. Right? We use, we use words of affection to mean father. And later on, I learned that that, that word Abba is actually a very personal, affectionate word. That it's, it's not just father, it's not just papa, it's actually daddy. And then I did some research on my own. And I listened to a few people and I read a few things. And what I discovered was, was that word Abba is not a word that a child says to a father. An eight-year-old child doesn't go around uh, referring to their father as Abba. See, Abba in our culture today would actually be better translated Dada. Stick with me. It's the very first words that an infant says to their father. See, a four-year-old, five-year-old doesn't call their father Dada, right? They call him dad already. You're already there. But that first baby, that first child, when, when, when they're just starting to talk, the very first expression that they have of father is dada. Right? It's, it's how we get the child to start talking. It's the thing for you, if you've ever been a father, it's the word that melts your heart. The very first time that you're holding your child and your child says, dada. That's what Abba is. And there's a very specific reason why Paul chose that word Abba. It's because when we are first adopted in, when God says to us, listen, I am going to adopt you. You are now going to be part of my family. When that first happens, we are all infants. We're all infants. And how do we teach a child how to speak? We talk to them, right? We hold them up in front of our face and we say, say dada. <laughs> Come on, say it, dada. Say papa. Say papa is handsome. <laughs> the first words that a child learns to speak are the words of the child's parents. The parents speak first to the child and the child starts understanding. Tim Keller, who wrote this great book on prayer, this is what he says. 
He says, Eugene Peterson, and Eugene Peterson was the, was the uh, theologian who did the message translation of Scripture. But Eugene, he says this, Eugene Peterson, actually I've got a slide. Eugene Peterson reminds us that because we learned the language, we learned language so early in our lives, we have no memory of the process, right? We learned how to speak so early, we forget what it's like to learn how to speak. He says, and therefore, and would therefore imagine that it was we who took the initiative to learn how to speak. However, that is not the case. Language is spoken to us. See, we didn't decide one day that, hey, you know, I think I'm ready. I'm going to start talking now. The language was spoken to us. Language is spoken to us. We learn language only as we are spoken to. We are plunged at birth into a sea of language. Then slowly, syllable by syllable, we acquire the capacity to answer. Mama, Papa, bottle, blanket, yes, no, no, no. Right? Kids, once they get hold of no, they're right in there. No. Not one of these words was a first word. All speech is answering speech. We were all spoken to before we spoke. See, what Tim Keller is saying, he's reinforcing what, the, the image that Paul was giving us, and it was this. When, we're, when we first accept God, when we first are adopted in, when we first get it into our heads and accept in our hearts that we are his child, we don't know how to talk to him. The only thing that we can say to him is dada, because we don't have his language yet. And the, the only way that we can get God's language is to find out what God says, and what God says is in God's word. And so our first prayers, because our first prayers have to come from somewhere, and for most of us, our first prayers come from our parents, right? God is great. God is good. They start with our parents. And what Paul is telling us is that if we're going to talk to God and speak to him in his language, we need to hear his language first. So we start by reading. Your first prayers happen as you start to read scripture and it starts to make sense to you and it starts to apply to you and you start thinking to yourself, well, wait a second, this is God? And that's his voice talking to you. So the first place that we start, the first R, the first place that we get to see how do we pray is the first thing we do is we start reading. The second thing we do is writing. Writing is, is a very early form of communication that many of us learned when we were in school. Right? There's a girl, you're in the fifth grade, she's really pretty. All of your friends say, hey, I think she likes you, I think she likes you, go there, talk to her. But you don't want to talk to her because you're in fifth grade. So what do you do? What did we all do? Well, maybe not all of you. I know I did. What did we do? We wrote a note. 
right? We passed notes. We even fold. We had, even had, you know, a special way that we would fold the paper because we wanted to make sure that it would stay closed because when you're handing it to Susan and she's handing it to, 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 to Gigi and we want to make sure that, that they don't read it, right? So we have a special way that locks in the paper and folds it in and, and now it's all, it's all tight and they can't do anything about it. And, and, it, and we don't even want to write her full name. We just put the initial. And then we say, oh, give it to her. She pass it down. See, it's natural for us. Our first, our first instinct when we're trying to build a relationship with somebody from, as a child, the first thing that we did was we started to write. And so if you are at a place in your life where prayer right now, it just doesn't make sense, where you're, you're kneeling at the side of your bed, you're laying in bed, you're sitting up, you're walking around, anything that you do while you pray, you just feel stupid. Because you think, what am I doing? It doesn't make any sense. Then what I want to suggest to you is start by writing. See, writing is a great thing because when you write, you have time to think. Right? Isn't that why we write the letters? We have time to choose our words. We have time to, to say what it is that we really want to say. In fact, don't ever write a letter at midnight. Because then you say way more than you want to say. But it's important. And, and, and for many people, it's an important process, writing. And there is a reason why, for, for me, I, I'm a real big supporter of writing your prayers. Because the first thing is, is that when, when we write our prayers down, we can look back and it reminds us that God answers prayers. We can look back on, on things that we prayed for last week, last year, back when we were in our 30s, you know, last year. <laughs> right? It reminds us of God's answering, of God, where God answers our prayers. But it also reminds us not to give up when we've asked for something, but we haven't seen it yet. See, I, many of us grew up with this idea that, that when God answers prayers, that the answer to the prayer is either yes, no, or wait. And I don't find anywhere in Scripture where it says that. I find in Scripture where it says that the answer to all of His promises are yes and amen. But here's the thing that I know, the thing that I have come to see, is that sometimes when we ask for something, it takes a while for it to go. Right? And I've used this, this example before. When my son, back in the day, age, the day and age before Venmo and before online banking, if he needed money, I'd have to write him a check, put it in the mail, mail it to him, and it would take two or three days for it to get to where he was. His, pra here is his prayer, his request to me, was answered on the day, on that moment that I wrote that check out, put it in the envelope, put a stamp on it, and sent it out. His prayer was answered. But it took a while for it to get and circumvent itself and go through life and get to that place. God answers prayers when we ask them. It just takes a while sometimes for us to see it come around. So it, writing it down reminds us not to give up on praying for something. Because our tendency is to do this. We're facing a situation. We pray for a couple of nights. Then we move on to something else. But when we write it down, it gives us a chance to go over them, to remind ourselves. 
Another thing that, that writing it down does is it helps keep on our minds the people who need our attention. See, I have people who come to me all the time and they say, hey, can you pray for this person, pray for that person? But if I just said, okay, sure, I might forget. In fact, there are times where people have said that to me in, in the past and, and months, sometimes years later, they'd go, oh, remember I told you to pray for this person? Well, this is what happened. And I'll have no clue whatsoever what they're talking about. When we write it down, it lets us have on our minds the people who really need some attention. The people who maybe we haven't heard from them in a while and they need a phone call or a text message or they need you to take them out to eat. You can take me out to eat. <sighs> the other thing it is, is that you can look back on your prayers and you can see where God answered your prayers in ways that you didn't expect. Because sometimes if we're focused just on the thing we pray for, like last week, I think I used the example of I'm praying for a brand new car. When really in my mind, that's not what I want. What I want is reliable transportation. I want a car that my friends aren't going to laugh at, right? I want some good gas mileage. And all of those things can be solved without a brand new car. But that's really what's in our hearts is those, we want those things. We don't want to have to worry about our car breaking down. And so God might answer that prayer that was in our heart in a different way. And by writing it down, we can look back on it and see. And so this is one of those things that it's up. I am telling you this from personal experience. Because for years I have been doing this. And maybe for some of you, some of you who, who this isn't your first time, you've been coming here and you're wondering to yourselves, you know, I fill out these prayer requests, I, I write it down, I put it in the bucket, bucket in the bucket. Yeah. I, I write my prayer request down on these connection cards. I put it in a bucket. And maybe as you drive away, you're thinking, boy, I just put it in there. And uh, now it's in a box somewhere gathering dust. Well, I can tell you this. It is in a box somewhere. And if you've ever been to my house, you know it's probably gathering dust. But your prayer requests don't end there. See, I have this book. And this is... This is just the current edition of this book. And this one started when we moved to 4 o'clock. And every single time one of you has filled out a connection card or sent me an email or sent me a text or called me, I've written it down in this book. Every single one of them. And when you've written on your card that your prayer was answered or you called me or talked to me and you said, hey, this thing worked out, I get a highlighter and I go through. And I mark it, that your prayer has been answered. See, some of you don't tell me, or else there would be a lot more yellow here. But this reminds me, when I read through this, this reminds me that some of you have been praying since April for something. Some of you put the exact same thing on your connection cards every single week. And I put the exact same thing on the book. Because when I take this book out and when I write it, I get to talk to God while I'm writing it. And I get to look back on it and I get to see these amazing things that God is doing in your lives and how he is answering your prayers and how he is making a difference in your lives. Now, some people will look at this and say, man, that's a lot of work. I'm telling you, man, I am the one who is blessed from this because I get to see God working even when you don't see it. 
It's all in here. Because when we write it down, we get to look back and remind ourselves that when God says he answers prayers, man, he answers prayers. So there's reading, there's writing, and the third one is this. The third one is relationship. It's, yeah, I know, it doesn't begin with an R, right? I thought really long and hard about putting an R in quotes and writing, but then I, I, misspelling things is just not in my character. That's for all of you people who text, and when you say your, you put you are, you drive me crazy. Prayer is, and I'm talking now about verbal communication, right? Because we started with reading, and reading is something that really doesn't involve verbal communication. And then we went to writing, and writing doesn't really involve verbal communication, but now we're bringing it down to what we all kind of think about when we think of prayer. What we think about is we think about talking to God. We think about speaking it out. And prayer is just like any relationship. It's like marriage. You know how in the beginning marriage was easy? It's like you fall in love, you just can't think of anybody else, you want to get married, you tell your mom and dad, mom and dad, I want to get married. And so you get married and it just seems like it's, everything falls into place. But if you've been married, if you're married, if you've been married for any period of time, you know that marriage starts out easy and it gets more complicated the farther you go along. Right? That's how prayer is. Prayer is like that. It gets more and more complicated. And what you need to understand is, is that even when you were with that person who stole your heart, who you fell in love with, when you were with that person in the very beginning, wasn't the conversation awkward? Right? Didn't you have a hard time like making conversation and talking to that person? Well, some of you are different. But for a lot of people, it's hard. A few weeks ago... I, um, I attended a wedding down in Southern California of a very, very uh, a family, and it was, it, was, it was great. Now, when you go to a wedding, there's basically three types of people that you run into at the wedding, right? There, there's, the first type of person is the person who you've known all your life. Their family, their friends from forever. You, you, know, you, you know the people who are getting married in common, so you go there, and it's like a family reunion. Hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. Boy, it looks like you've really gained weight. I mean, you know, all those <laughs> lovely things that people say to you at a wedding, right? So that's the first one. And then there's a the second group of people. The second group of the people are the people you've never met before. You don't know them. They don't even look familiar. You've never met them. There's no reason for you to talk to them. They're just people that are floating around, they're like the, the uh, extras in a movie. But then there's the third kind of people. And the third kind of people are the people that you kind of know, that maybe years ago you might have been introduced to. You, you kind of know a little bit about them, but you don't really know them. And so, so you, you, you have this weird relationship, like you don't know whether you should acknowledge them, you know, with, with the head nod, <laughs> right? Or with the smile, right? You don't know what to do with them. So this awkward thing happens. You're in line for the pre-reception uh, appetizer table, which they have at every wedding. And for some reason, the pre-reception appetizer table always has this long line that never seems to move. 
right? It's like the three guys at the front are taken forever. So you're in this line at the pre-appetizer or at the pre-reception appetizer table, and someone comes up to you and says hello, and they happen to know the other person who you kind of know but don't really kind of know. So all of a sudden now you're in a three-way conversation. Him and the person that you know, you and the person that you know. So now you're having this conversation, and then the person that you know goes away. And now you're stuck in this weird conversation with this person that you don't know. Right? And they seem nice. And they know, you know that if they're friends with, with that person you know in common, that they must be a good person. But what do you do? You're stuck in the conversation. And it always starts out awkward. It always starts out where you're not sure exactly what to say. And that's normal. And it's understandable. And even though it feels weird, it's expected because that's where you start. You start in a place that's awkward. And it's the same thing in prayer. Listen, if when you start praying from the very first time that you started being a person who prayed... If it felt natural to you, something's wrong with you or something's wrong with the way you're praying because prayer at first should not feel natural because you're trying to be intimate and talk to somebody that you've never met before, that you have just heard about, but you really don't know. So it starts out awkward, but then what happens? The wedding goes along. All of a sudden, they're pouring champagne. There's lots of clinking of champagne glasses. Everybody is happy. And the conversation starts to get easier. And it starts to flow a little bit better. And you start to get to know the other person. And they start to get to know you. And a relationship starts to build. But you can't get there without going through that initial awkward part. So let me tell you, if you've ever sat up in bed or knelt down by your bed or been driving along in your car and you thought about praying and you're talking out into the air and you're thinking to yourself, this is really weird. You're doing it right. Because that's how it's supposed to start out. It's supposed to start out awkward because you're just getting to know the person. But eventually you will get to the place where you know that person so well that you can walk into their office in the middle of a busy afternoon and it's no problem at all. Where you can go to where they work or you can go right up to their house. You don't even have to knock on the front door. You can just go there and open the door and walk right in. You have friends like that, right? They never lock their door. You get to their house, you just walk right in. That's where the relationship goes. And eventually we get to this place where we can trust God and know that when we come to him, that he is there and he is listening. Paul would write it to the Hebrews this way. He would say this. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And whenever I read that, I always think of that famous picture. And you may have seen it. It's a black and white picture. I think they first published it in Life magazine. And it was a picture of President Kennedy who was sitting behind his desk in the Oval Office and his son, John John, was playing at the front of the desk. That's something that no one else in the world would ever do, right? The Joint Chiefs of Staff is not going to go into the President's office and start playing at his feet. It doesn't happen. That kind of boldness only happens 
with a child to their parent. And so what Paul is telling us here is this. He's saying, let us come boldly. In fact, that word boldly means come knowing that you have privilege. You are not just anybody. You are not just one of the people that God created. You are his child. You are his child. And so you get to go to the king anytime you want. The only person who gets to wake the king up at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is the king's child. It is never an imposition. And Paul says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Gracious God. Now we sing that song, Amazing Grace. We hear about grace all the time. We, we talk about it, but do we understand grace means unmerited favor? It means that God gives us favor. He gives us preferential treatment even though we haven't done anything to deserve it. That's God. He says, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy. His mercy for our failures. His mercy for our mistakes. His mercy for those stupid things that we knew would get us in trouble, but we did them anyway. His mercy, and we will find grace, his favor to help us when we need it most. That is what God is waiting for us to do. And when you want to hear if somebody knows how to pray, if you want to see if a person is really a good prayer, then don't listen to the fancy words because praying isn't about eloquence. If you want to look at a prayer, if you want to look at your own prayer and see, are you praying? Are you really praying? Is this a person who is really praying? There's really only one test. Is, does it sound like the person you're praying to is someone you know? Does it sound like when you pray that you are praying to someone who you have a relationship with. Because there is a huge difference between saying a prayer and having a relationship with somebody through prayer. When we can't think of the words to say, we start by reading. When we want to be reminded of how good God is, of what are the things that we've asked for and for the times that he's come through, we start writing. And then even in the awkwardness, we start the relationship by talking. Even in the awkwardness, start the conversation. I guarantee you, he will answer. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.